Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as we are under 24 hours away from the NBA draft. I feel like we normally do a draft show a little bit earlier than this, but let's be honest, normally uh, we don't have anything better to talk about. So look, we've had a big week on the podcast, uh, plenty of pods to catch up on if you've missed any of them, uh, none more so than the last couple of days where Frank and myself got back together with Eric, and we had a, a whole bunch of fun. It was a really interesting conversation with Eric there. So that's a two-part podcast. If you missed that, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that. It was fascinating to hear some insight from Eric, who, uh, unlike Frank and myself, was able to travel around with the team and be close closer to the action than certainly we were. Although, I'll give Frank some credit. He was at the championship clinching game, so he deserves a fair bit of credit for that. But before we get into this, before we start talking draft here, I have to mention our live NBA draft show, which is going to be hosted by Chad Ford, Rafael Barlow, and also Locked On NBA host John Corrales. So uh, you can watch this show live on YouTube. It's brought to you by Built Bar. The live coverage is going to start on July 29th, so today, draft day, at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you follow Locked On NBA on YouTube, and you'll be able to catch up uh, with that show or keep track of that show. And I can tell you, I've seen... Some shots of the, the studio setup they've got going on. It's quite incredible. Lockdown continues to grow uh, remarkably quickly here. But we're going to talk about the draft. And look, we sometimes we normally have a draft expert on, Frank, and we'll say, well, let's run through a bunch of prospects. We're certainly going to talk about a few guys that have caught our eye and that we've read that are rumored to be in the range that the Bucks are going to be picking. But before we even get to that, Let's just break it down from a perspective that we can actually discuss, Frank, and that is the roster composition of the Bucks. So I actually had a couple of people in the last 24 hours tweet at me uh, and say, do the Bucks even have a pick? Yes, they've got a pick. They've got pick 31, which they acquired in this PJ Tucker trade, which uh, looking at it now was obviously an absolute masterstroke. They only moved back, uh, I think it was seven or eight spots, six, seven, eight spots or something in the draft. They're now seven. seven. So now they're at 31. So Frank, before we get into even any prospects, anything like that. Uh, you're the man we always go to for the cap stuff, for the roster situation. How are you looking at this Bucks roster entering this draft anyway? Because it's very clear that your strategy entering into a draft when you are a contending team in the Bucks, uh, in the Bucks situation, a championship-winning team, the strategy changes a little bit because your capabilities to draft young guys, to develop good guys, just simply isn't the same. Yeah, and the Bucks are in a weird spot because they have, and I, I thought of it again tonight because the Bucks Summer League schedule came out, and the Bucks Summer League team actually figures to be pretty fun between mm-hmm. Jordan Wara, who's fresh off that 33-point explosion for Nigeria against uh, Germany in the Olympics last night. That was a lot of fun. Um, maybe showing, uh, hey, trying, trying to audition, show, hey, I can, you know, we knew we can shoot off the dribble. He was shooting off of handoffs, um, got to the rim a little bit, 
saying, hey, it's okay that Bryn Forbes is opting out. I can be your on-the-move three-point <laughs> shooter. Uh, obviously, much bigger than Bryn. Bring some of the same defensive concerns as Bryn. But uh, it is interesting because, you know, I, I, I tweeted out my kind of cap sheet thing the, the other day and, and put together kind of a, you know, here's a, a kind of run it back slash potential scenario for the Bucks, And, you know, part of it was just to really figure out, like, well, how much is this going to cost? Because, you know, I think we all have questions about how much of a tax burden this ownership group is willing to, to, to stomach. Um, they went slightly into the tax here uh, with winning the championship because Drew Holiday had that million-dollar bonus if the Bucks won a title. And that was the one thing that could flip them from an under-the-tax team to a tax team. And again, the, the, it's not just that you um, have to pay the tax for the amount you're over the threshold, but you also don't get your share of the basically pool of tax money that goes out to the teams that didn't pay tax. So there, there, you know, there's real consequences, and I haven't seen exactly how how much it was it's going to be this year. But there's some adjustments they made with the NBA just due to the COVID shutdown to like reduce some of the tax burden at the end of the day. But um, but either way, I mean, you know, that's like probably millions of dollars the Bucks lose out on just by being a you know even a few hundred thousand dollars over the tax threshold and Next year, I'm not going to do a bunch of scenarios, but if they bring back PJ Tucker at somewhere around like eight million dollars, which is what he was paid this year, um, if they use the taxpayer mid level, that that's the most they can offer Bobby Portis, for instance. I'm getting the increasing sense that Bobby Portis is probably going to be playing his trade elsewhere, and you know if he gets a full mid level deal of almost ten million dollars a year someplace else, I think we'd all say, hey Bobby, do what you got to do. We're gonna <laughs> you know you'll you'll never you'll never pay for another meal in Milwaukee. Um, but do what you need to do. And, but either way, then, okay, you have to figure out what do you want to use that $5.9 million slot on? Is it, you know, a, a guard to fill the, the depth problems that the Bucks had, obviously with Jeff Teague and Bryn Forbes duking it out for, you know, Turnstile, who still somehow got minutes behind Drew Holiday, even with Holiday playing huge minutes? Or, you know, is it an, a, a true, like, Portis replacement? Um, we assume Thanasis is going to be back because, as I put in my spreadsheet, duh. I mean, let's assume he's back on a minimum contract. It's a hot take. Uh, hot take from a hot take. And then there's this number 31 overall pick that the Bucks at least currently have. Who knows how long this podcast will stay relevant? It's a pre-draft podcast, so the shelf life will probably be about 24 hours. But a lot of the roster discussion I think we wanted to have here would would still be relevant moving forward as we look ahead to free agency. So whether they stay at 31, whether they move back, um, you know. That is an interesting spot because, as we saw last year as well, you guys might remember one of the reasons why there was appeal in buying those two picks that were used on Sam Merrill and Jordan Wara was because if you draft players and sign them to minimum contracts, for cap and tax purposes, they count as minimum contracts. If you go out and sign those guys, sign guys as free agents, even if they're like undrafted rookies, even if you're the, you're paying them the, the actual same cash amount. Uh, which last year was, I think, was about $898,000. For cap purposes, if you didn't draft them and give them minimum contracts, they actually counted as about $1.6 million, which is the equivalent of uh, a two-year veteran minimum contract. And the reason that the NBA does this is because, essentially, for cap purposes, they don't want teams not signing veterans with much higher minimum contract. Uh, they don't want them basically foregoing those types of guys and instead just signing young guys because their cap hits are lower. So essentially they say, all right, if you draft a rookie, you'll get a benefit and you'll have this lower cap hit, lower tax hit, which was especially important last year when the Bucks also had the hard cap issues. So they literally could not go over 
you know, 139 million roughly in total salaries. And you know, there's a lot of complications with that this year. It's again, I would, you know, you might say, well, geez, what, what are the bucks going to get from adding another young guy at 31? You know, they have these, you know, essentially four, uh, young, maybe stretching a little bit. War is young, but you know, Merrill's 25, Diakite's 24, Elijah Bryant's 26. So it was good. they're young in terms of experience, but those four guys are all non-guaranteed to varying extents. And, you know, they obviously didn't really make any real impact last year. You've already, so you got, you got this weird situation where you have a championship team. You got a ton of young guys that didn't really have any role off the bench last year. Who knows what the Bucks' expectations are from them this year. And then you have potentially adding another young guy. But again, the benefit is with the tax being so punitive and to give you guys a sense of this, the tax goes up basically for every $5 million you're over. So the first 5 million cost a buck 50 per dollar. The second 5 million cost a buck 75, then 250, then 325, 375, et cetera. So it gets extremely punitive in the way that kind of the math I put together again, signing, re-signing PJ Tucker, using the taxpayer mid-level, that almost $6 million slot, and then basically just Thanasis and that rookie at a minimum contract, that puts, puts the bucks over $20 million over the tax, which from a tax payment perspective adds up to a $51 million tax bill. So net-net, the bucks for their roster, including the tax charges, you'd be looking at something like $209 million as compared to 133 this year. So basically the same roster, actually a less deep roster probably, and you're paying you know, basically 50% more <laughs> for that due to the tax. And, you know, again, Giannis is getting a, a pretty big pay raise this year. Drew is making more money, et cetera. There's, those are some of the reasons why the numbers are up by 20 million plus, even before you factor in the tax. So they're in an interesting spot because I think actually keeping that rookie slot is actually pretty beneficial because you'll save about 700K in raw sort of, you know, cap dollars. But then when you think of it from a tax perspective, on the margin, that's, that's almost like a four to one multiplier. So if you save $700,000 by having that rookie rather than just another veteran free agent at the end of the bench, that's like a three, $4 million total hit that you're saving. So it, it starts to add up really quick. And you know if you're deciding whether or not you want to sign PJ Tucker or not, because you can't use his salary slot, his bird rights on anybody else, Similar, similar to story. I mean, literally PJ Tucker on the margin is costing you well over $20 million in incremental taxes. So some really heavy uh, dollar discussions that are going to, I think, test the will of Bucks ownership and see how, how serious they are about giving the Bucks their best possible chance of running it back. But I think if we look at it from just a roster perspective, put aside the dollars and cents, you know, Dante, for all we know at this point, is not going to be ready for the start of the season, is at least kind of what what we understand as of now based on his his foot surgery so if he's out you know the first couple months of the season you basically have a depth chart that is you know drew and then i'm I'm gonna guess maybe pat becomes your shooting guard i don't think pj tucker's gonna start the season even though he started in the playoffs so you basically have a six-man rotation kind of like what we saw when bobby was not really playing either except it's the regular season so so these guys aren't playing 40 to 44 minutes or something like that. So I just did some quick math. I mean, if you have Drew as your starting point guard, Pat as your starting shooting guard, Chris, Giannis, Brooke, and then I just said, okay, let's assume PJ is splitting like 20, 25 minutes or so between the two forward spots. You've got basically like 60 to 70 minutes unaccounted for in terms of like nightly rotation minutes. 
And look at who you've got on your bench. You've got no Dante, because we're assuming he's hurt at the start of the season. You've got Jordan Wara, Sam Merrill, Mamadi Diakite, Elijah Bryant. And then whoever you might use to spend that Bobby slot on that taxpayer mid-level exception. Thanasis, who, okay, Thanasis played, you know, at times with regularity last year, but he's not playing 20 minutes a night. Hopefully no more than five or 10, maybe. <laughs> and then this rookie, who obviously you're not hoping, you're not expecting that any number 31 pick is going to come in and immediately play 15 to 20 minutes a game. So it, they've got some really interesting kind of decisions to make. And what they do with that taxpayer mid-level slot, assuming they spend it, and again, they don't have to spend all of it, they could also use part of that to sign their rookie to more than a minimum contract, which typically guys in the low 30s do sign more for more than two years in the minimum. But it has happened that guys have signed for just two years in the minimum. Last year, it happened with the Clippers because they were in also a similar situation with tax problems. So it's just a really interesting situation because they really have to make that, that mid-level slot count. And, you know, I, I ask you, Ken, I mean, you know, looking at Wara, Merrill, Diakite, Bryant, those guys have, a, on the one hand, a golden opportunity to play real minutes and fight for rotation minutes on a championship uh, defending team. But by the same token, it's like, wait a minute. If they keep number 31 and they have those four dudes, you basically have five guys who basically are you know, either rookies or guys in their second year that have barely played. <laughs> Do you think those guys are, are actually all going to be the roster come come the start of the regular season because they're all non-guaranteed to varying extents. And there's certainly an argument for, especially with, you know, out of the, I'll put war aside. I don't think they're releasing him, but between Merrill, Diakite, Bryant, you could certainly see them waving one of those guys or potentially adding a veteran to, to maybe round up the roster a little bit. All right, Frank, let's discuss our friends now over at rockauto.com with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from chain store or car dealerships? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find out the, the solution to your auto parts needs. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I would guess that Bryant is probably the one. I mean, I think just based on, and, and before I say this, let's acknowledge it's not like Mamadi Diakite is exactly a young talent, but I do think that they would be at least fascinated to see if he could develop a little bit more, particularly if you consider there's maybe a G League season this year. We hope there's a full G League season. I mean, this has been the difficult part of not only being a really, really good team, but not being able to develop players. So if I looked at Elijah Bryant, and obviously he joined the team very late in the piece, really didn't play. He's also, he's also older. Now, you could look at this in two ways and say, well, he's mature. He could probably soak up some minutes. But at the same time, I don't think that he's the type of player that's really exciting anyone that he's going to burst onto the scene and become a legitimate rotation player. So I would say Bryant would be the one that is, is probably in danger of being cut. But I'm, 
I think everything that you've brought up is really interesting when you look at how the Bucks might attack this 31. So let's assume that they do take the pick. And I'm looking at the rotation that they have. And firstly, the DiVincenzo situation, as you mentioned, is up in the air. We don't know. And I think that it worked out for the Bucks in the postseason that they were able to survive despite the fact that it was very, very clear that they lacked ball handlers. I mean, they needed another guy that could handle the ball. That's why Jeff Teague was out on the floor as much as he was. But we should also acknowledge that Drew Holiday, Chris Milton, and Giannis were playing 40-plus minutes. So that's not going to happen in the regular season. And I do think if you were forced to start Pat Connaughton throughout the entire season, because again, we assume that you're going to have to try and at least keep PJ Tucker in pretty good shape if he's back. He's not going to be able to carry a huge load during the regular season, or he might be able to, but you would like not to. So I do think that clearly ball handling for mine is one of the main skill sets that this team needs to address. Now, I thought the Bucks had a pretty clear strategy last year going into the draft. Yes, it was pick 45 and pick 60. So it's, it's a fair way down the list from where they're going to be at pick 31. You can get a genuinely pretty good player at pick 31. But they went with older guys last year and guys that I think had a legitimate NBA skill. So for Jordan War, it was obviously the shooting, the shooting off the dribble. Sam Merrill, a fantastic catch-and-shoot guy as well. Now, they still didn't get to play because this team it, it was awesome. But I do think ball handling is what they're looking at. And when you brought up, and we were discussing this before we started recording or we were messaging about it, I, I think the idea of best player available in the draft is generally the way that you need to go. But I do think that this Bucks team needs to look at, okay, our depth is going to be tested. I'm not 100% sure who, who is going to be available and when. Obviously, free agency will change this. But I can see them, again, going for a guy that's a little bit older, that can play the point guard. And let's be honest, they're looking for their Malcolm Brogdon, Frank. They're looking for their second-round pick, Malcolm Brogdon, that can come in and have an impact straight away and play. I mean, that's obviously very, very rare. But I would have to imagine that's what they're going to try and do. I don't see the Bucks picking up an 18-year-old. Let's say that. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I would tend to lean that way. And I think, you know, we, we should always start this with the caveat of, um, in the grand scheme of things, of course, you want, you know, I think generally saying pick the best player available is always sort of like the safe thing to say. Mm-hmm. That said, uh, fit is always at least something of a, of, of a factor in, in, you know, picking guys. And if you pick a guy who, you know, for instance, um, can only play small forward and power forward, well, not a lot of opportunity to do that with the Bucks, given you have an MVP and uh, a two-time All-Star and Chris Middleton kind of having both those spots locked down. And, you know, again, not to say that, that there aren't opportunities with Giannis showing you can play at center and things like that. But, you know, I mean, of course, fit is going to play some bias. And I would say as well, having a guy who it, it would not be at all surprising for the Bucks to, you know, go for a guy who is a higher floor, but perhaps lower ceiling type guy, because look, their window is now. And, and obviously Giannis is 26. You know, you want to build a team that will continue to be able to grow around him and isn't just going to, you know, turn into a pumpkin in, in two years. But, um, I think a guy that, you know, they, they, they really don't want to whiff at this point, probably. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you look at the, the guys they picked last year, I thought it was interesting. I, you know, I don't know that, that the Wara and Merrill picks 
I don't, I don't know how much those tell us about what they might do this year. Um, you know, the fact that both those guys were beyond anything, they were shooters first and everything else second, you know, shooters slash scores, um, obviously different types of players and could do different things. Um, but you know, that was obviously having shooters around Giannis was a huge point of emphasis going into last season in general on this roster. Uh, amazingly did not help them shoot uh, better than <laughs> horrendous from three in the playoffs. Still, we're still remarkable. Bucks are NBA champions after shooting. I think they were 32% in the playoffs overall, better in the finals, but, but 32% still just crazy that the Bucks could win a championship just being that inconsistent from three. Uh, so I, I do think it's an interesting question of, you know, do they, you know, double down and say, well, we, we picked shooters last year because we believe that's, you know, the skill set that we want to focus on, especially given what we have on this team. They obviously have a lot of very good defenders. They have, they have a lot of good scorers. And you have Giannis, who you want to put spacing around. Um, so in theory, especially from a regular season perspective, I can see the argument for saying, well, you know, we can teach a guy to play defense. It's basically what they did with, with Bobby, right? They basically picked Forbes and Portis and said, you know, we'll, we'll take the more offensive guys and, and see if we can teach them to work in our system. And I think with Portis, eventually that bore itself out. Net series notwithstanding, Forbes obviously more, more mixed bag results. So yeah, I, th- I think, you know, there is, and again, I, I kind of want to check myself a little bit, but I do think there is a natural inclination to look at guys, you know, if, if I'm saying, if, if I was saying which type of player would I want to be the best player available? If that makes sense, like like who would conveniently fit need while also hopefully being a really good basketball player that that would not be a stretch from a talent perspective, and you know some of the things, some of the names in you know that fit a little bit of the profile that that you've uh, that you've discussed there. Miles um, McBride uh, is one uh, again shooter, hard nosed defensive guy, six nine wingspan, even though he's nominally six two, so kind of like that kind of fits that combo guard mold. Um, Io Dasumo uh, from Illinois. And by the way, I'm like, you know, probably butchering these dudes' names because we did our research in the last like 24 or 36 hours. So shout out to everybody who listen, is, listen, is tolerating this discussion when you may know more about it. That's why I asked, uh, I, I made the call to uh, put the bad signal out uh, to Twitter to provide us people's thoughts. I'll, I'll get to those sort of at the end here so we can let the people have, have their vote. Um, but uh, McBride, Dasumo, uh, Joel Ayayi from Gonzaga, kind of another guy who's, you know, solid defender, shooter, you know, again, not setting the world on fire. Uh, all those guys have played at least two years in college as well. So they're, they're not like, you know, the 18 year old prospect. One guy who is still 18 and fits that combo guard prospect has some defensive upside and was a good shooter, even though he didn't shoot high volume. Jaden Springer from Tennessee. So again, if you went for like a you know a younger upsidey play, maybe it's a Jaden Springer, um, and then I'll throw Quentin Grimes in that mix too. He's not really a point; doesn't really have like point guard profile. It's more of a wing, but uh, another guy who's been played in college for a few years, started at Kansas, um, for ultimately trans transferring and kind of finding his way a bit. But another guy who kind of you know profiles is hey, he can shoot, should be a decent defender. Um, and again, maybe not the sexiest upside type pick, but but kind of fits fits a little bit into into that um, into those buckets. So those are the guys that I sort of have been gravitating towards, just because you know, kind of like remember Kane when when we were kind of ahead of the the trade deadline. You know, we always had these discussions like, well, what 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 are the Bucks needs? Well, and not to pick on Thanasis, but it's like, well, 
Thanasis is playing 10 minutes a game. <laughs> so that seems like an obvious area the Bucks could get better in. And similarly, I, I think we can look at the playoffs and say, well, what, what parts of the rotation gave you the most anxiety? And, you know, as we said, it's, it, you also need to factor in the, the, the obvious piece of, well, you can't just play seven or eight dudes in the regular season every night because of the minute load. Um, so I think the, the backup point guard spot is, is also the one that I would point to. And that's why I think a lot of these guys I just mentioned, again, not necessarily like a pure point guard. Um, and with Dante out, you know, it, this is also potentially kind of a, somebody who can be kind of that like Dante type guy who, um, you know, brings some defensive versatility to the backcourt, uh, can also shoot a bit. And again, especially guys coming from college, you're not expecting a guy to come in and immediately be like a 40% three point shooter. Uh, but can he at least be that mid thirties type guy, a reliable spot up, you know, hopefully some of the guys I mentioned, they profile that they could do some of those things. Frank bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We know that bet online has been sponsoring this show for a long time now, but baseball season is in full swing. Miraculously, the road to the postseason in baseball is now on. These sports just don't slow down. I'm telling you, we're getting ready for the draft. Baseball playoffs are on the way. The Packers are showing up today, and that's a good uh, segue there by myself. You can check out NFL Futures at betonline.ag, and I reckon the fact that Aaron Rodgers is in town is probably a good sign for the Super Bowl odds of the Green Bay Packers. Certainly looking a little bit better than they would have been if he didn't show up. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams continue their runs through the playoffs or prep their runs to the playoffs, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on there. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. But yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, the, the, the draft coming before free agency certainly is interesting. And, I, you know, again, Bucks have probably not, you know, the Bucks front office has had to be thinking about all these things while they've been in the midst of a title run. So that's interesting. I think it's worth noting that I don't think Mike Budenholzer has spent pretty much any time on draft prep, <laughs> which uh, is understandable. But, you know, Bud was pretty, pretty largely involved in Dante being the Bucks first round pick in 2018, right? It was pretty well known that, that he was part of that draft process coming in as the head coach, uh, really liked Dante and that pick certainly had his endorsement this year, Bud probably doesn't know anything about any of these guys, um, which, you know, you could say, well, maybe that's for the best because coaches coming in and developing opinions based on random workouts isn't necessarily always a positive, but it also means that you're going to be picking a guy and really having no idea if that guy is you know, <laughs> going to be someone that Bud takes a liking to come training camp. So, um, so I, I, again, these are the sorts of things we don't know. We don't know kind of who the Bucks are targeting with the little bit of flexibility they have in free agency. You know, are they planning to use the tax fair mid-level on a, you know, Bobby Portis replacement? Or I'll still hold out some hope. I would happily take Bobby back for like a one plus one at the tax fair mid-level, but I get the feeling he'll probably get more and probably going to cash in elsewhere. It seems like he's sort of been hinting at that here of late. Um, so, so again, like what, what do they have sort of have planned with the, with that is, is on question. And then, you know, with the draft, do they like anybody that they think actually could, you know, fight for minutes, especially given that, um, you know, like I said, there, there's, they're not going to be able to add a lot of dudes in free agency. They have very limited ability to do that there. And, 
a lot of their guys are pretty young. I, I would actually argue just to kind of answer your question about Elijah Bryant. I mean, the best thing for Elijah Bryant is what I just said, which is that the Bucks really don't have anybody at that combo guard spot that you really feel good about. And, you know, if they end up picking a, like a more of a like wing or combo forward type guy in the draft or a big man for that matter, it's probably a good, very good sign for Elijah Bryant because like they just don't have many guys at that position. And even if they do sign somebody there, um, you know, if Bryant, I, I, I mean, I think Bryant, all these guys, I think are going to stick through camp. Um, I think the only question is, you know, do they bring in somebody that's just a veteran that, that is more trustworthy and it just becomes a numbers game. Right. And one of those guys on a non-guaranteed contract just, you know, ends up being kind of the odd man out. So I think all those guys are gonna have a chance to, to sort of prove themselves um, in training camp. But, you know, uh, like you said, who knows what, what that means. I mean, they did pay, I think, $500,000 for a buyout for Elijah Bryant. And, you know, he was on the summer league team a couple of years ago. So he wasn't an entirely random dude. And I mean, as much as he didn't really do anything against the Nets, he did actually play like, re- <laughs> he actually got into the game for some real stretches against the Nets in that second round series. He didn't, didn't do anything with it. But, you know, for a guy that, I remind you, Kane, he was the Bucks' fourth leading scorer last year at 16 points per game in one game, uh, that, in a game that didn't matter, which he played a ton of minutes because nobody played in. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm, I would definitely say I'm more bullish on Elijah Bryant having a role next year. Um, but, you know, again, do I think they're going to wave Sam Merrill? Ugh, I mean, they, they used a pick on him, right? They sent out some cash to get him. I, I don't know if they cut him. And then Diakite, again, also... Who knows, right? I mean, they really don't have any big man depth, so he's sort of some cheap big man depth, and he at least I think showed some some positive development signs last year. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it's an interesting thing. I think again, I think really the big question is, you know, first question I think for the Bucks offseason, do they bring back PJ Tucker? Um, if yes, then I think they have a lot more flexibility to do different things with the taxpayer mid level slot. If they lose PJ and Bobby. Portis, then they really need they really need to add somebody who's like a combo forward or a combo big because otherwise you know they've got basically Diakite and Thanasis backing up Brooke, Brooke and Giannis which would not be a good scene so I think you know the dominoes I think are PJ and what they do at that tax pyramid level if it's again Bobby or a placement or is it you know a guard to to kind of shore up that that position for them and um you know, like we said, I think there's definitely some some dudes in the draft that that could also play a role in um, maybe not you know definitely being rotation guys, but but at least have a chance to um, maybe not be Malcolm Brogdon, but be maybe Malcolm Brogdon light. And you know, again, if they can play two ways, that's obviously the thing that that Merrill Wara uh, you know couldn't do, and which I think ultimately you know may also limit their long term upside as as pros, especially given what we just saw and you know, in the playoffs and how hard it is to keep guys on the floor who just can't defend. So um, I don't know. I mean, what, what are you thinking? Are there other either positional archetypes or specific guys that kind of jump out at you as, as potential options in the draft to say in the low thirties? Well, I've just been scrolling through this tweet, Frank, and seeing what the people have to say, because uh, as you pointed out, I think it's fair to say that some of our listeners probably know more about this draft than us. I'm always thrown. I'm always thrown by the fact that we, we were doing these championship pods and how many people were like, oh, when are you getting to the draft, man? I'm really interested to hear about this guy. And I'm like, you are? You're really interested to hear about these guys right now? We just want to talk about the title for the next three months. But 
once the summer league schedule came out this morning, I said, okay, it's probably time to talk about the draft. These guys are playing basketball in a week. But one guy that consistently keeps coming up, and, and I did have him written down. I, I find him pretty intriguing. Hey, yo. I don't know if anyone listens to the No Dunks podcast, but Ayo Dasunmu, I believe that's how you would say it, uh, is actually, uh, I've got the Ringer mock draft and also big board in front of me. And when you talk about best player available, uh, he is actually 31 on the big board and 31 in the mock draft because I think he's the type of guy that makes sense. So I found myself watching some YouTube clips on him, the guard from Illinois, a decent size. Great hair. Excellent hair, uh, almost Alfred Payton like. Well, uh, not that okay. crazy. Well, not. I mean, suddenly I it, I feel like bad about giving him a compliment. I don't want to say he's got Alfred Payton hair, but anyway, continue. Well, uh, this is kind of funny because he is six three and a half, so decent size for a guard. He's twenty one also. So look, he was a junior at Illinois, twenty points per game, thirty eight percent from three, five assists, six rebounds as well. So. Uh, really stuffed the stat sheet there. I'm interested, and in, I believe this is Kevin O'Connor, but he has shades of Jumbo Drew Holiday, <laughs> which I, I feel like I want to message Kevin and say, what does that actually mean, Jumbo Drew Holiday? Because Drew Holiday is an absolute bulldozer, as we've all seen over the last couple of months. But the other two players, he has DeLon Wright and Alfred Payton, actually. There you go. So he's got Alfred Payton. But uh, I think the thing that uh, I learned about would from watching the, the YouTube, the interview with uh, Mike Smith, which you can all catch, out, uh, catch up with on YouTube there, is that a d- defensive-minded player as well, but excellent in transition and, and big. He's just a big guy. He's a big guard. Um, not, not your Josh Giddy 6'7", Ben Simmons 6'10", type size, but he's strong, strong at the guard position. And I think um, generally when you're taking rookies or you're taking 18-year-olds, sometimes the physicality is an issue. So... He's certainly one that stands out to me and he might be in the range there. If you are looking at the wing, which uh, again, as you pointed to with, with Thanasis and the, uh, I didn't expect this to be the podcast where Frank threw his support behind Elijah Bryant getting minutes next year. But if you are looking at the wing, another guy, another name that's popping up a lot with the listeners on your Twitter, Joshua Primo, Primo out of Alabama. He's only 18. He's a bit more of a project, though, which probably makes me think they would lean away from him, but he's going to be in the range. And then just out of my own curiosity, a guy that I'm really fascinated by, uh, first of all, because I think he's a really intriguing defensive prospect, again, from reading and watching uh, everything that people say about him as a, as a really switchable guy, is the 6'8", JT Thor, who, by the way, also just has a sick name. Yeah, and, phenomenal and, name, phenomenal uh, name. Unbelievable. And his actual uh, comp here from KOC is Jonathan Isaac, which, hey, we'll take it, fully accept. So, again, I don't think that would be a guy they would go for because it's a bit more of a project. But, hey, the Bucks have taken projects before and it worked out okay, so who knows. But uh, I do think it, it, if they take the pick, I think it will be a guard. And, uh, yeah, you already mentioned McBride. There's a couple of guys there that will be in the mix a couple of people on the twitter feed have mentioned uh sharif cooper i think just from everything i've seen he's going to be gone by the time it gets to pick 31 but uh ayo one of the best passers and i I don't know if you've seen much of him but um just uh, played at auburn freshman last year and just like you know super he's only six one so he's again size concerns but just a super creative passer phenomenal floor vision type of guy and um, also has good hair. So shout out to Sharif Cooper. 
Um, but yeah, I've, I'm seeing a lot of Sharif Cooper. I'm seeing a lot of, I feel like um, AO may be the, uh, the, the people's pick here. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at some of the, some of the folks, uh, Roland three says uh, the Sumu Grimes and, and Highland bones Highland. We should talk about, I thought you were going to go with bones Highland there when you went with JT Thor. Cause I felt like <laughs> you were, you were going to yeah. talk about a guy with a great name. <laughs> yeah. Bones Highland. Um, what is it? Nishan, yeah. I think is his, is his real name, but, Bones Highland. I mean, that's just a phenomenal name. Even PJ uh, Tucker would be best friends. They have to be. Do you think PJ Tucker wants to be friends with a guy named Bones? I think so. Give give a dog give give some dogs a bones. You know, uh, it just it just makes sense. Um, but you know, his profiles is just a, a terrific score. I think he's like six three, six four, something like that. So not a guy with great size, but kind of like a bucket getter. So you know, again. It, I'm always kind of torn on that. You know, I remember Steve Von Horn used to always half jokingly say scoring is a skill. And, you know, do you, we, we used to have debates back in the day about, you know, do you, do you draft scoring? Do you, do you overdraft on scoring because it's a highly valued skill? I don't know. Cause it feels like there's lots of guys who are really good college scores yeah. who they go to the NBA and they have to take on a more limited role. And that's really hard. You know, I mean, it's hard just going from a guy who gets, you know, 15 to 18 shots a game in college and you're the guy to, all right, you got 10 minutes and you're going to get four shots. Can you make two or three rather than, you know, one <laughs> at a higher rate? It's hard. It's just a different, it's just a different type of type of thing. But, but Bones Highland is, you know, again, interesting prospect. A lot of, uh, I, again, I don't know how much of it's because people just love saying Bones Highland, but, um, but he's, he's certainly interesting. Um, I'm trying to see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at some of the people that, that have shouted out uh, AO. Uh, J underscore 1252. Uh, let's see. I want to give some people some shout outs here because you're doing our work for us. Uh, Jake Reitz, friend of the pod. Jake, it's a great job. Uh, well, Jake's going to be, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm hoping to watch a lot of summer league here starting August 9th, but I'm uh, he'll be going to be, re- be relying on Jake to go clip me all the like Wara, Merrill, Diakite, uh, Elijah Bryant. I'm gonna I'm gonna want the Elijah Bryant content, Kane. You may you may be a doubter, but I want I want that sweet sweet Elijah Bryant. It's not expected. It's just not expected. I gotta say, I yeah. didn't know that you like uh, had Elijah Bryant poster up in your bedroom. But good for you. I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I he just hopefully he can nice be okay. hair. Um, is it, is it nice hair. He does. Yeah. yeah, he has good. I mean, he, I it's hard. It was hard in the last regular season game. I kept mistaking it because he hadn't played with us before. <laughs> he looked like Warwick. I kept thinking he was Jordan Warwick because they have the same like complexion, same haircut. Uh, you know, obviously War is a few inches taller. Um, a Rodney thirteen likes Ao. Uh, let's see. Um, Alex Olson also likes Ao. Um, bandwagon Wolves fan. Hmm got the Wolves fan, uh, just listed like a whole ton of guys, including McBride, uh, Bones Highland, uh, Ayayi, JT Thor, Kessler Edwards, an interesting kind of slightly bigger forward, uh, I think from Pepperdine. Um, he's probably going to be available there. Um, he also mentioned rumor that the Bucks are interested in Vrenz Bleisenberg, mm. who's a Belgian guy who's outside of like pretty much everybody's top 50, but is sort of one of these like weird 610 interesting prospect type guys so i i don't know maybe that's you're right 610 guys that can pass the ball a lot are uh everyone wants them everyone wants yeah. to give them a shot i mean drags hey sign them after the draft for your summer mm, league team yeah, or something exactly. like that i don't know um christian perez likes io and josh christopher um let's see here uh jeremy serzigs likes io uh josh primo josh christopher mcbride ayayi 
Um, let's see here. I want to cover it for other guys. I'm, I'm also a lot of people mentioning Joe uh, Weiskamp, Weiskamp mm-hmm. from Iowa. Um, you know, I'm a little less interested in him. He's six seven, six eleven wingspan, very good shooter. Um, I think he's a 22 year old, so he's a little bit older. I just kind of feel like, all right, you know, he's questions about him defensively. So it's kind of like, all right, well, like, isn't isn't that sort of like the Wara? Like, <laughs> doesn't Wara already have the six seven shooter score that doesn't play defense role kind of locked down on this team? Like, you know, I especially where where a guy is like not a high upside guy and he's like very duplicative of another guy that you're trying to develop kind of like, eh, I don't know. That feels maybe a little bit weird, a little duplicative, especially given the Bucks lack of depth, but yeah. Unless you drop 30 in the Olympics, you're going to be behind the pecking order of Jordan war. Melancer, Matt, um, shout out to brew commenter, Matt. Um, He mentioned um, McBride, Dasumu and Herb Jones, who I believe Eric name earlier tonight, actually, uh, in a very throwaway line, very throwaway tweet was like, well, I'm not really up on the draft and I'm not writing anything. But if, if you ask me who I, who the Bucks should pick, I'll, I'll take Herb Jones. Who's an interesting guy, all SEC Alabama guy. Um, I think he's six, eight, uh, not a great shooter, not a big time score. I think he only averaged like 11 points a game, but like has sort of like that just does a little bit of everything. Very good defensively Swiss army knife type guy, you know, like the, I think he gets like the hobo Draymond Green type type of comparisons at times. Not he's not as, as strong as Draymond, but um, but that's a name we we haven't mentioned yet. Who you know I, again is that is that an archetype that the Bucks are looking for? Mm, you know, especially if they're bringing back PJ, probably not. Um, but hey, you know, I mean, guys that that are just smart, good basketball players. Um, I never want to kind of count those guys out. Uh, and, and again, he's a little bit more, he's also more experienced, more proven too, which, you know, again, as we were saying, there could be an argument for that from here. Um, except for Tom uh, tweets, I really hope Jared Butler slides them. Butler, you guys might remember one of the two kind of standout guards from the Baylor national title team had health concerns. There was basically concerns that he may not be like cleared by the league to play. Um, but then was given the the kind of go ahead. Again, that does not mean that the Bucks or any other team like doesn't have him red flag. Um, you know, because we obviously you hear that every year that there's some random some random issue with somebody like a knee or an, a back or something like that, and teams a lot of teams decide, hey, we don't really want to deal with with that type of thing. But um, you know, Butler and kind of an interesting, um, you know, an interesting sort of uh, case just because of uh, his health concerns. So hopefully that is, um, hopefully that is not a, a concern moving forward. Um, but, but he's a, again, another kind of guard type prospect in that, that mold that, that maybe would be, be of interest to the Bucks, And he's a little bit more experienced and proven as well. Um, trying to think who, is there anybody else we haven't mentioned? Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you, I mean, what's your thought? Um, a couple of people mentioned Jalen Johnson, former, uh, Nicolay forward uh, has had a weird last couple of years. He went to IMG, then he went, then he was at Duke for college, then he left Duke after what, like thirteen games or something like that, which kind of drew raised some eyebrows. But super talented, six um, eight guy forward, very good passer, inconsistent shooter. But you know, again, I mean, he was a top high school prospect who was playing very well at Duke when he decided to leave. I don't think he gets to, to the Bucks, but again, you never know, especially with these guys that have some kind of maybe 
you know, kind of makeup slash uh, character question marks. Although, let's be honest, the Bucks haven't really been uh, in the business of, <laughs> of gambling on guys like that. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, what's what's your sense? Do you? I mean, do you think? Do you think the? We, you know, we're we're kind of obviously being sort of arbitrary, but I mean, what would you guess is the probability that the Bucks actually make the pick at thirty-one? Which, again. Um, I feel like they are going to pick someone in the draft tomorrow night, just in part because of the um, financial benefits of, of having a rookie uh, that you drafted on your roster. Um, I think it's more likely that they get rid of one of the existing second year guys on non-guaranteed contracts than not have some uh, rookie on the, on the, on the roster next season. But again, that's not to say that they actually pick at 31 um, when, you know, maybe they potentially move down. And I don't know. I mean, what's, what's your, what's your guess at this point? Do you think that they are going to end up at 31 or do you think that they may maybe move down or move out? No, I think they'll pick at 31. And again, that's, that's just simplifying it, but I do think it's just with the situation that you've outlined uh, perfectly during this pod. I, I think that they'll take the pick. I think it's, it's probably a, a fine option. And, and the other thing is, I think as people will know from listening to this now, I mean, we've rattled off a list of 10, 11, 12 guys that different Bucks fans are into or intrigued by. And I think that's the thing with this draft. Everyone was really excited about the top end. There's no doubt about that. But when you consider the fact that Milwaukee moved from 24 to 31, um, you know, there's still, it doesn't seem to me from everything I've read, from everything I'm hearing, that there is a massive difference from what you're going to get from 24 to 31. Now, of course, in two years' time, we'll look back and say, oh, well, this guy was the star, and you hope that Milwaukee are the, the team that picked that guy, and there might be one, one guy out of that range, 24 to 32, 24 to 35, that ends up being the star, and you hope you get them. But uh, I'm heading into this draft with, yeah, six guys that I, I know a little bit about that I would be fine with. And I think the tweet that you referenced at Eric tweeted there he did the same thing he listed five guys and said i'd take this guy but i think they'll be in a good position so i think that's the way i'm looking at this draft i i'm never someone that watches college basketball super closely and gets too intense about the draft mostly just because of where the bucks have been picking Um, most seasons they haven't really had too many high picks but i'm excited i'm excited to to look into hopefully uh an intriguing talent by this time tomorrow so yeah i'm I'm pumped up I'm, i'm excited to see what they do with 31 I think the the other thing that we should at least um, put on people's radar. So with the flurry of moves that they made at uh, on the trade deadline at the trade deadline last year, they did generate two separate trade exceptions. One was for 1.7 million when they basically, you know, shipped Tory Craig for cash to Phoenix. Again, thankfully that did not come back to haunt them. <laughs> so we'll never have to talk about the mistake of selling Tory Craig uh, to, to the Suns. Um, that's not, there was an article. Useful. There was an article. I'm not naming names. There was an article after game two that said that uh, Tory was Craig, the guy they were missing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tory Craig was the difference in the NBA finals. But anyway, whatever. People I think people, we were probably lucky. Right about something. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think Bucks were lucky that they got to play against Tory Craig ultimately in the finals because uh <laughs> Tory Craig, you know, having to having to defend Giannis was was uh yeah. probably not fair to him, but but yeah, he didn't really uh, hurt the Bucks much, especially he had a couple threes in those first two games, but uh, ultimately, yeah, Torrey Craig was not not a threat to the Bucks. Um, but they also generated a four point nine million dollar trade exception, which is the more interesting one. And essentially, just as a reminder, so you can't combine like trade exceptions. You can't combine those two into a six point six million dollar exception. You can't, you know, use a four point nine million dollar trade exception to add it to a player's salary and take back, you know, 
a higher the higher combined value of another player in that range something like that so but it is interesting on draft night because you could end up you could if if you wanted to if there was a guy making you know under 4.9 million or less you could acquire that guy into that trade exception without sending corresponding salary out and you know you could then trade the 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 that that number 31 pick um in exchange for that to sort of compensate the team for you know shipping that player into your trade exception um you know who that who that player would be what that team would be i don't know i'm not interested enough i don't have enough time to <laughs> to go research all the random dudes making less than 5 million that the bucks might want to get for the number 31 pick but that is at least something you could do um again if you did that i would imagine that would probably be in lieu of either using your tax pyramid level or bringing PJ back, which is also a reason why I haven't thought about it a whole lot. Um, because again, I don't think the Bucks are going to, I mean, again, if they spent, if they added the a $4.9 million player on top of all the other stuff I mentioned, you know, literally you're talking about like 20, $25 million of incremental cost on the margins, which is just, you know, insane due to the punitive nature of the, the tax. So. Um, so yeah, I, I I would guess that you'd probably just say, hey, let's just make the pick. That guy will be really cheap for us, and you know it's another roll of the dice to maybe find a young guy that that can be a contributor moving forward as you know the rest of this roster ages, uh, and then you use that tax for a mid level, you know, as your way of acquiring a free agent um, that way. Again, you can't use the tax for a mid level to acquire a player via trade like that, like you could with the trade exception. So. You know, again, you can kind of keep keep your options open, but um, but yeah, my guess is they they do end up with a pick. Um, you know, could they potentially trade that pick um, for maybe to move down and then maybe get another future second or something like that? Which again would just be something to kind of keep in their back pocket for potential trades later. That's certainly another thing they could do. Um, but again, I would be surprised if they. I, I guess you could like trade that pick for like multiple future seconds or something like that, you know? Um, but I, you know, I'd be a little surprised. And the other interesting thing worth mentioning too, just because of the financial aspect of it, there's actually a strong incentive for the bucks to, um, to pick, keep that pick at 31 rather than move up. So normally, you know, it's always fun to think about, you know, trading up into the first round or you know, moving up in the draft. Uh, some way, but you know, again, because of the the nature of of how much money they're spending, you know, you're going to have to pay a first round pick even at the 30th spot makes over a million dollars a year. And you know, again, if that guy is even making 600k more than a, a number 31 pick on a minimum contract, um, you know, you're talking about a few million bucks in terms of net cost when you beg, factor in all the tax stuff. At least, again, likely where, where the bucks end up. So. There's definitely a lot of money on the margins, a lot of value on the margins to be picking at 31 versus at, at 30 or 29. Um, again, you could say, well, if the best player available is at 29 and that's, you know, ends up being a great player, then who cares? But again, it's the draft. It's a crapshoot. And you, know, you only need to look at the Bucks roster <laughs> to be reminded of how much of a crapshoot the, Bucks, or the, uh, the, uh, the draft is, right? Brooke Lopez, I think, is the only lottery pick uh, among the Bucks' key players, uh, or, or period, on this team, and otherwise you've got 
you know, basically a bunch of mid first round picks to, to second rounders. Right. So, um, so yeah, it should be fun. I'm, I'm not that stressed about it. Uh, it's always fun to have young players. So I hope they do pick somebody at 31 and I hope it's somebody that, uh, you know, can actually have maybe a chance at winning some rotation minutes, dare I say. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it and, um, we'll, we'll see just 24 hours more to wait. And then, um, another, what free agency is August 2nd, I believe. So a week, um, that's holy crap. That's on Monday, isn't it? Mm-hmm. My God, God, good thing. We sort of did a free agency preview <laughs> in this podcast as well. Cause we would have had to talk about that. Clearly guys, we have not, uh, you know, we, we were not planning ahead with this off season. We're, uh, we're flying by the seat of our pants to an extent as well. Although I, I did make a spreadsheet. So, I mean, what more do you want from me, Kane? <laughs> I gave you a spread. You wanted a spreadsheet. I gave you a spreadsheet. And, and that's pretty much going to be where it, where it ends. You've done more than me. So I'll give you credit for that. Uh, I will say one more time. Don't forget to check out the Locked On NBA YouTube live show brought to you by Built Bar starting at 7 p.m. Eastern and taking you right through the draft there. So, look, I'll come on the show. If the Bucks end up trading up to the number one pick, they'll probably get me on the show and uh, I'll have some opinion there. But uh, we'll see. It's been a quiet few drafts, really, for the Bucks here. Didn't have a pick a couple of years ago, two second rounders last year. We'll see what they do in this draft. But, look, we did a fair fair job here, Frank, to, to bang this pot out, considering, as you said, uh, I would say uh, my draft preparation started pretty late here, but it's going to be a lot of fun. One last thing. Number of people on the tweet suggesting, uh, as you said, uh, Frank, maybe the Bucks will trade back and draft Alex. Get the whole family. Whole family on the payroll, on the roster. Uh, we'll see. I'm sure if that happened, there would be a lot of people that would be excited uh, by that. And uh, let's be honest, if Giannis said do it, uh, they kind of have to do it at this point. So <laughs> they, don't, they don't really have a choice. But like Frank said, just get him on a get him on two get him you know let him go undrafted two-way. and get him on a two way you know yep yep absolutely I would be all for I mean, that wh- wherever he ends up they're winning a championship right because every every year you know one of these guys has to win a championship so hopefully it's the Bucks but um, if it's not the Bucks next year then it's wherever uh, wherever Alex Dedekumbo randomly gets drafted uh, or or signed I don't know he let's be honest he was not um, considered really even as high a prospect as as Costas was I mean Costas was a you know, played in the hoop summit, all that. Like Alex was not nearly as, as high profile of a high school player. So I don't know if he gets drafted, it feels like it's going to be, you know, a complete last name job. I, I somehow doubt he gets drafted, but, but Hey, then that means you can, uh, you can sign him to a two way or you can you know, bring him in as a, as an undrafted guy. Tourism in Oshkosh will be booming. If Alex is playing for the herd, cause Giannis will be there every game when the Bucks aren't playing. So that would be cool for the Herd, who, by the way, you speak about winning championships. They're owed one from a couple of years ago when they had the best record in the league as well and then weren't able to finish the job. So we'll be back after the draft. Uh, hopefully we've put some ideas in your head of what the Bucks could potentially do. Frank, of course, nailed all the cap stuff as he always does. Uh, we'll be back after the draft. Enjoy it. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe watch a Game 6 replay before the draft. Ease your way into it. Who knows? I think there's some weather coming into Milwaukee, so hopefully uh, everyone's okay uh, tonight as well. And we'll catch you guys after the draft.